There's a speed limit in this state, Mr. Neff. 45 miles an hour. How fast was I going, officer? I'd say around 90. But what about us? Memories. You're talking about memories. Good, now have a drink. I don't want anything of his or any part of him. Except his life. I wonder if I know what you mean. I wonder if you want Played it for her, played it for me. I lived a few weeks while she loved me. Waiting for a lady. Someday you'll understand that. Got some news that's gonna take a lot of attention off you and Laura. Stop it, yes, I can't take any more of it! I should be in uniform. You know the story? My story. Maybe because he was drunk. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but soon and for the rest of your life. Well, I'll give her the message. Let there is sleep all over America. Welcome to the Speakeasy Noir Cast, a podcast discussing film noirs of yesterday and neo noirs of today. Each week, we will deliver a discussion and analysis of classic and neo noir films, all mixed in with our unintelligible banter. Your hosts for the show, Carly Street and Jason D. Morris. No. No. <laughs> I will not. I refuse. I will. Oh, I had to do that stupid Windows update. I've been putting oh, yeah. it off and putting it off and last night when I turned my laptop off it was like you cannot shut down this laptop until you update it damn it <laughs> yeah it's weird they force you to do that with this Windows 10 yeah I staved it off for about a week and a half yeah yeah damn it <laughs> so I forgot to bring up um, something that I found uh interesting on lost highways when we were discussing it oh Um, so in millennium the tv show like towards the end of the first season is a character called lucy butler right Mm -hmm. played by sarah jane redmond yeah and she plays legion uh like a biblical character Mm -hmm. and i'm watching lost highway the other day to prepare for the show and two things that I noticed one there's an actress in the movie whose name is Lucy Butler oh which I just thought was kind of coincidental at the time but then when I started watching the movie Patricia Arquette's appearance is extremely similar to Lucy Butler in Millennium oh now that you mention it yeah um especially the first half of Lost Highway like yeah. her whole persona look and everything is very, very similar to Lucy Butler. Um, I think one of my notes was like, is she the devil? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> she just looked like she was the devil. <laughs> yeah. And um, this movie did come out at a time where it's very plausible uh, that. Chris Carter could have seen this and based it off of that. I don't know. And I've never heard anything like that. That would be interesting um, to find out. Yeah, yeah, it would be um, because that character didn't come in until the end of the first season of millennium. So that would have been plenty of plenty of time to really sort of model that character. And after that, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing majorly noteworthy of the actress Lucy Butler that I could tell. Um, she hasn't been any like major projects or anything like that, except for Lost Highway is probably the biggest thing that I could really tell. 
So I'm not really certain. Maybe somebody knows if 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 it's based on any of that at all. But um, I don't know. So that was interesting. I forgot to bring that wow. up because Joe would have been the perfect person to discuss that with. Basically, yeah. I'm sure he would have been like, no, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, but it still would have been an interesting topic. I found you two talking about it so interesting. Like, I really did. I found him so engaging when he talked. Like, literally listen to him for hours, just talk. Yeah, he, he feels like he was stepping on you and not letting you have any time to, to speak because you're so quiet and don't speak up. Um, I said, you don't really know her at all, do you, Joe? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, all right. Let's get into tonight's drink. This one is uh, specifically, you know, picked out for this film. Um, and it is called First the Money. And I'm kind of basing this off of uh, our our friend in in the movie that uh, he ends up picking up and becomes <laughs> his companion through most of the film <laughs> <laughs> because all she wants is the money. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. And this drink is one ounce of dark rum, a half ounce of coffee liqueur. Ooh. One bar spoon white cream de menthe, one ounce of fresh squeezed lime juice, four ounces of Coke, and a lime wedge. And you know, it's your typical put it all into a Boston shaker, shake it up till ice till it you know sounds different and Obviously. put it into a yep. into a highball. Yep. <laughs> Top with Coke and garnish with lime and serve. Um, but it sounds good to me. Yeah, it doesn't sound I bad. I like to this, me. Uh, yeah, dark rum and coffee liqueur. I like dark um, rum anyway, so, and I like coffee, as we all know. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not, you know, I don't, I, I rarely drink rum, but when I have had it, it's pretty good. I yeah. just, I don't know why I don't. I don't have gravitate it. towards it because I think rum's a bit like whiskey, whereas if you went into somewhere, it's not. There's not just. You can't just say can have a rum and coke because it's like, well, which one do you want of eighteen? <laughs> and then I always think like, well, pick the wrong one. They're secretly judging you, like, ah, oh, she doesn't know how to drink rum. <laughs> <laughs> so I, still I like, just say bottom shelf, you know, whatever the house is, you know. I wouldn't. Who the hell knows? And you never know what a, a particular bar has, anyways. You know, every yeah. bar has different stock. But it, it's, I don't know, it's that way with whiskey and bourbon and everything. They get asked all the time. And I'm like, whatever's cheapest. <laughs> I, I, I don't have the palate to be able to taste the difference between them anyways. Give me the house. It's though. rare. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I don't, uh, there's certain things that I like, but most places don't carry it, you know, so whatever. Expensive. But, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, I did. I went to the alcohol shop, uh, I don't know, a few weeks ago, and they have, um, they usually have like this discount rack stuff that's on clearance or whatnot. <laughs> awesome. A clearance rack for beer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's usually like specialty, like alcohols, like if they're trying something out and it doesn't sell well or something like that. But uh, so they had this Walking Dead uh, bourbon and I was like, fuck it, I'll give it a try because it was originally like $50. Wow. Which is pretty pricey, and it's not. It wasn't a huge bottle. It was like maybe, I don't know, maybe a sixteen ounce size bottle. So it was, it was fairly expensive. 
but it was like 50% off. So I got it for like 25 bucks. I was like, I'll give it a shot for 25. No way in hell I'd buy the walking dead bourbon for 50. But so I picked it up and it was surprisingly good. Really? Um, Yeah. And the shitty part is that you can't find it anywhere. Like, it's not like it's uh, just a rebranded label, you know, Uh, like, I don't know, Jack Daniels bourbon, like rebranded as Walking Dead or something. Um, So it's if I could find it, I would find it. I would would buy it again because it was pretty good. You should. Um, So everybody needs to be on lookout for (laughs) for Walking Dead bourbon. (laughs) And let Jason know when you find it. Because he's willing to pay mm-hmm. a hefty price tag. No, I'm not. I'm willing to pay 25 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Postage and packaging? I mean, <laughs> you might want to add it to 30. <laughs> now you got me curious and I'm doing a search real quick. Amazon, yeah, Amazon, man. There's nothing they don't sell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here, I found it. Uh, somebody does an un- uncorking video. Oh, like how exciting. <laughs> that could be you. No, yeah, it could have been, but I drank it. Oh, next time. It. Next time. There you go. I put it in the window for you so you can check it out. Maybe it's still, maybe you're still able to buy it. Maybe it's just my store doesn't carry it. Caskers. Oh, I figured out. I found it. Holy shit. There we go, you see. Oh my God, was there a markup? Massive markup. So I guess this is made by a company called Caskers, which I've never heard of. And... They sell it directly from their website for 20 bucks. <gasps> you got shafted by five bucks. Yeah, <laughs> I did. <laughs> Bevmo, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Even at a 50% discount, you still ripped me off. <laughs> in, oh my God, the markup. That was 50. I think they were lying with them stickers. I think it was always 25 and they just thought, oh, we'll put 50% off on this because somebody will Maybe. buy it. And somebody was you. Yeah, it sure was. They got me. I had to try it. And it was surprising. Like I said, surprisingly good. This I'll buy. 20 bucks? Yeah, <laughs> I will get that. I don't know. Do you drink bourbon at all, Carly? Or no? Um, I don't so much. Street does. Street massively does. Yeah. I'm, That's pretty I'm much not, my, my I'm not weird go-to. Stuff, so. Which you You're not do. weird with what? Mixing? Oh, you don't mix stuff. You don't, yeah, like you don't mix stuff. shit. And I always mix it with stuff. And that's I just get frowned upon, so... <laughs> Yeah, you could try like a scotch is lighter. Maybe that's more your speed. Um, but uh, I don't know. I to be it. fair, I, th- I think you've maybe just found Street's Christmas present potentially. <laughs> I feel like seven. There you go. You guys, <laughs> <laughs> you guys, Walking Dead fans or? Um, I am, but I mean, he's an mm-hmm. alcohol fan, so win, win. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I think this is, maybe this isn't the, maybe Caskers isn't the brand. Maybe this is just an alcohol website. It's hard to tell. But, you uh, need to anyway, get to the root of the source. It. Keep digging. You'll find it. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Uh, Skybound Presents, which Skybound is the name of the company that made the video game. Oh, this is based off the video game. Gets weirder. Okay. I mean, it takes spirits the same, of the apocalypse. So <laughs> oh, The Walking Dead, Kentucky. Uh, anyway, cool. Well, it's out there. <laughs> you just went in your little rabbit hole of like 
<laughs> I did research. <laughs> the hell with the podcast. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, anyway, we hope you uh, enjoy your. What the hell was the name of our drink for tonight? Uh, <laughs> first, the money. Quick <laughs> <laughs> <Like> rum drink, <laughs> and uh, and enjoy this episode. <laughs> and here's the trailer for the 1945 film Detour. Get anything? Did you ever want to cut away a piece of your memory or blot it out? I can't believe that you're in love with me. I hate the thought of being so far away from you, but we'll be together again someday. I'm on your mind each place you go. I was tussling with the most dangerous animal in the world, a woman. Hey, you! Come on if you want to ride. What's your name? You can call me Vera if you like. There's a folding bed behind this door. You know how to work it? I just can't imagine that you love me. Just remember who's boss around here. If you shut up and don't give me any arguments, you'll have nothing to worry about. I'm the lucky one. I can't Even if you did tell the cops I was in on it with you, what could they do to me? Give a lift to a tomato, you expect it to be nice. I know what you're going to hand me even before you open your mouths. You're going to tell me you don't believe my story and give me that don't-make-me-laugh expression on your smug faces. Look, I'll tell you what. You stay put out there, I'll come to you. Let's get married right away. How far are you going? L.A. Not many people stop for a guy these days. Afraid of a stick-up, maybe. This buggy belongs to a guy named Haskell. That's not you, mister. Now, wait a Shut minute. Up. You're a cheap crook and you killed him. So what else was it to do but hide the body and get away in the car? Even if you did tell the cops I was in on it with you, what could they do to me? I can't believe that you're in love with me. Are you Charles Haskell, Jr.? Yes. There was no time to lose. Every minute I had to be Charles Haskell was dangerous. Hey, you, this your car? By that time, I'd done just what the police would say I did, even if I didn't. Maybe it's a good thing you met me. You'd have got yourself caught, sure. Whichever way you turn, fate sticks out a foot to trip you. That was the uh, trailer for the 1945 film Detour. Uh, it's an American film noir directed by Edgar G. Ulmer, who I just discovered from one of our guests on the show, Joseph Madry, that apparently this man is or was mad. Ooh, <laughs> just crazy. Yeah. Was he eccentric yeah. or was he crazy? Was he? I'm not rich? sure because I have. He, I, I've just. I was just told that he was crazy, and I'm not sure what that means exactly. Yeah, but, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna research it. I was. I was gonna I was say, suggested to watch another film. If made. you are um, rich, then you're eccentric. Mm. If you're poor, then you are crazy. That's true. That's very true. There is that defining 
uh, label uh, between the upper crust and the uh, shit on the bottom of your shoe. Yeah, I was going to say lower crust, (laughs) but uh, I mean, people call me crazy. I'm just loud (laughs) with a sparky attitude. I, I would say you're 50 50. It's it, you're loud and crazy. I am, which is a great combo if you need to empty a room, by the way. Right. Yeah. I would say it's a good combo for you, everybody else around. <laughs> Debatable. <laughs> uh, no, Carly's neither crazy nor loud, really. As you've noticed on the podcast, she's, she's fairly quiet oh, as a mouse. Yeah. So. I'm totally freaking sane. <laughs> a mad mouse. I, I do have the talent of like getting even the most miserable human being on the planet to kind of crack a semi-smile when I just talk <laughs> at them. Because you don't have a lot of choice. Like we're either talking and you're going to enjoy it or I'm going to talk at you and it's going to be worse. So pick. <laughs> oh, it's going to be worse. Yeah. Pick a side. Either engage <laughs> or don't. It's happening. <laughs> Well, all right. <laughs> I didn't tell Back you. Back to I, detour. Oh, just, just, quickly, just dead quickly yeah. before then. I didn't tell you about my mini um, victory at work. I managed to get a Lady Carly badge. Oh, really? Oh, that's amazing. So they they got tired of hearing you bitch or yes. was somebody actually? <laughs> they did. And I, I got to the to like the big cheese of bitching because the area manager came in. I yeah. got a Lady Carly bag. Excellent. It's only taken four months, people. And hard work through COVID, you know, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> hard work paid off. It did. For those at home that don't understand what's going on here is that over in Britland... <laughs> <laughs> uh titles mean something they don't they don't but we're really good at pretending they do <laughs> right. when you're a property owner uh and and this is my lame american understanding i'm probably wrong in, in all of this but when you're a property owner you are awarded the title of lord or lady only if you buy good patches only if you buy good patches of land okay <laughs> Uh, which I'm guessing is subjective. I don't know. Um, but so as such, Carly and her husband street are both, uh, a Lord and oh, lady no. of, street isn't. of Britain, street, right? Street <gasps> I know. How dare you? I know. I need to oh fix this. Yes. Yeah. Also on the Christmas present list, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so Carly's the upper crust and her husband is not. Yep, he's a lower crust of the bread sandwich. <laughs> he's a half-eaten crumpet. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, so Carly is a Carly is a is by law. Mm-hmm. Her title is Lady Street, right? Or Lady Carly? Or no, Lady Carly Lady Street? Carly of Glencoe. It's your damn title too. You need to get Lady Lady Carly. My name is not Lady Carly. Thank you. Well, it's uh, of Glencoe. Lady Carly of Glencoe. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So with that explanation out of the way, and before we get into discussing the movie, Carly, please, we need to um, we need to hear your in a nutshell uh, synopsis of Detour. And now it's time for Carly's super famous in a nutshell synopsis. A bitter pianist thumbs a lift, which ruins his life. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> that is all. 
Okay. It's true. It is. It is true. It's true. Yeah. I feel bad for this guy because, you know, we open up with this, you know, this this musical number. He's obviously a, well, we don't open up on the musical number, but that's sort of where the story really kind of starts. Um, we, we do open on him down and out in a cafe. With loud music kicking ob- off. Right, right. It's very much like, um, oh, I'm forgetting the name of that movie Blue again. Dahlia. Blue Dahlia, yes. Yeah. Okay, so the opening of Blue Dahlia is sort of the same scene as this, where he just goes a little mad hearing this particular song played on the jukebox. Obviously, this guy, he, he doesn't, he gets, he gets bashed quite a bit. The actor, um, Tom Neal, gets bashed for being sort of a mopey set. He is his own film noir film. His life is a film noir. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, and I agree with that. He, like he, he's very. I thought he played this very well, personally. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, and because you couldn't get him, yeah, he looks sad. But then when you watch everything that happened to this poor dude, uh, that was fucking sad. <laughs> it was pretty sad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel really bad for this guy. Um, so he goes into, after his little mad little breakdown, he goes into telling his story and we open up with him and a woman, uh, doing this musical number, uh, kind of lounge singing, I guess what would be at the time at, at a restaurant. Um, he, he's obviously a gifted pianist. Um, and I, I'm, I'm still kind of like watching this movie, I'm like, why is he not making more money than this? Why are they not making more money than why this? Why didn't because, he go to Hollywood with her? I don't understand why well, he didn't that's go tr- with her. Yeah. I kind of looked at it. Maybe that's sort of that thing where he's got to hold back and keep making money, maybe to send to her to support her or something like that. Uh, I wasn't really sure. Like, I, I agree with that. Maybe they should have just went together and life would have been okay. <laughs> yeah, it would have been fine. They wouldn't have had to thumb a lift. They could have been a double act. Then. Right. I mean, and he he just waited a little bit longer to get the bus ticket or a train ticket or something <laughs> besides thumbing a ride. Yeah. Because even for like this being 1945, apparently hitchhiking at that point was like taboo. I mean, you know, pretty terrifying in general, even well, now. Yeah, I, I think now it is, you know, like you don't see very many people doing that sort of thing unless they just like don't Imagine care. what they could have got away with in the bloody 40s when there was no flipping proper fingerprints and stuff. Good Lord, the amount of serial killers on that flipping highway picking people up. <laughs> right. Good Lord. Well, you'd never know about it either because no. it just disappear. You'd never know. Yeah. But there's probably a lot less of that kind of, Stuff. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows, really? I don't know. They're all pretty crackpot in the bloody 40s, aren't they? Judging by these film noirs. That's true. That is true. But yeah, I was I was uh, kind of taken aback a bit thinking, you know, realizing that even for this time period that hitchhiking was not something people regularly did anymore. And like they actually speak out about that in the movie, hmm. uh, you know, uh, Especially like like when I was a kid in the 80s, like that was something people still did. So it must have just been like this thing that went back and forth, you know, with society. Um, but even now today, it's like it's again, it's not something that's people, I guess, are willing to do because, you know, too many, too many stories coming out of people getting murdered or raped or left on the side of the road and disappearing and never heard from again. 
I mean, listen to any one of those crime story podcast shows, uh, you know. Oh, my God. It's always the outback of Australia where the, the couple decided it was a really good idea to hitchhike. And then they're gone in the wilderness, never to be seen of again. Yeah, apparently that, that there is a big, huge stretch of land in um, Australia where that was a, a regular thing. Where they're, they're, they, they felt like there was two serial killers at one time murdering at the same time. Yeah. Uh, not knowing that there were <laughs> there were two of them out there. Yeah, because it was too big to patrol and monitor. That's terrifying. Right. And if you don't know where you are, they could just sort of like kick you out and you would never, ever find your way back to the roadside because unless you... No, you die before road, you reach civilization. Yeah, you, you were literally like, it's in a mousetrap because they, they even if you got out, you would never escape. Right. I think that was um, the movie Wolf Creek was sort of based on that idea. Um, that was a sadistic movie. Yeah, I've watched, uh, a, few, I've watched a few documentaries about it and it's it is pretty mm-hmm. terrifying what they can stage up there because they've tried to stage kidnappings and all sorts and nobody can can like even trace people, never mind anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Australia needs to fix that. They need like, I don't know what they need. <laughs> satellite surveillance or I don't know if Australia is as uh, crazy as America and they'll be screaming about their their rights and being monitored but I, don't know. I, mean, I think it's kind to of, me I at some point there's a good of, trade-off it's one of those things that's accepted like if you go into that sort of if you go into that particular there's world, a chance you're not coming out <laughs> like you know you know for well what you're getting into it's like walking into the middle of Canada in the mountains in a t-shirt like you know what you're <laughs> You know, you kind of sort of accept it at your own risk. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so we'll put Australia off the list. <laughs> the outback of Australia. Not <laughs> oh, Australia's already off my list, man. Yeah. No. Just the damn spiders alone. That's, oh, yeah. God. Freaking, we finished the podcast, the last podcast that we did. I uh, casually mm-hmm. looked over to my left-hand side to pick up my notepad and pen. Guess what's there? Just sat on it. Bloody great big spider just staring at me with tattoos, like, come at me. Oh my God, I did not come at it. I ran the other way and screamed for streets, come and hit it with a shoe. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan. Even though in my house, I'm still forced to be the spider killer. I think um, you're going to say spider king. Like, don't do that. <laughs> I am the spider king. No. <laughs> spider killer. I'm, I'm told to like release them outside, but I can't do it. I, I can't. I can't spend that amount of time. I can't have it that close to, to my flesh. Yeah, exactly. I can't. I cannot. I, I can't pick it up somehow, which would probably take me forever. And it would probably escape. <laughs> carry it next to me. <laughs> and then willingly release this monster it's into the world where it can find its way back in. <laughs> I can't do it. Like my... Maybe I'm a murderer and I don't know. I just, I can't physically do it. I have to murder it. I have to kill it. I have to rid it of its existence because. <laughs> Street released one outside once at the doorway. Literally, as soon as it hit the floor, just ran back inside. <laughs> nope. <laughs> like, it's too cold out here. Yeah, <laughs> don't you know it's going to rain? I'm not going in the rain. <laughs> Screw you guys. <laughs> it's warm in there. Nope. Yeah. 
my kids are that way. They're like, don't kill it. Don't kill it. But yet they'll scream, dad, spider. And I'm like, what the hell do you want me to do? You don't want me to kill it. You want me to stand here and stare at it and make sure it doesn't get you? Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Let me eyeball it for a few hours while you sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, did we go off the rail? Where's Where's Detour in this? Were there spiders in this movie? <laughs> there was not. There was hitchhiking. <laughs> <laughs> there was hitchhiking. <laughs> oh, boy. What did you think of Vera? Uh, Vera? Which one's Vera? Sorry. The evil woman. Oh, the evil one. Okay, yeah. That ruined everything. Yeah, I get, I get Sue and Vera, like the names mixed up. Um, so Vera, I thought she was pretty great. Um, she was so snappy and harsh, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. You don't see, I mean, you see that sort of uh, female character that's that's snappy and talks back in, in a lot of film noir. But this girl was tough. <laughs> she controlled like, She scared me. And I could see like why, why Al was like just going along with it. Like after seeing the scratches on um, Charles uh, and, and then coming face to face with her and her just mentality and how she just deadpan, like coldly goes directly from being asleep to, I know you killed him. Yeah. <laughs> she, it was like the exorcist coming through at some point. Yeah. I would have fucking jumped out of the car and be like, take it. <laughs> I don't care. Just go. My life. I don't care. It's yours. Yeah. She basically <laughs> held him hostage without a gun for 90% of the film. Yeah. Yep. That's terrifying. And that's just a, that's a testament to the, to Al being a good guy. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't going to cross her. He, I mean, obviously he stated his point, you know, like I didn't kill him. I don't know why we're doing this. Fine. You want this? Fine. I don't care. All I want to do is get back to my girl. Like he's got a motive and he stays true to it. And really it's this woman's fault for disrupting things. Like I, I don't, I, I guess I don't fully understand these noir films, how readily or easily these characters feel that they're going to get pinched for a murder when they didn't actually do anything. Like, I don't know if that was just sort of like the time period people were just getting nabbed up left and right and accused of murder that they didn't actually do. That was a thing. Like you didn't actually have to have proof. You didn't have to actually have any sort of motive or, you know, anything. Um, but that seems to be like a common occurrence in these films. Um, and I understand like the idea of like, uh, you know, the anti-hero or the not even anti-hero, but just, you know, the guy that's in the wrong place at the right time and gets tied up in this sort of thing. That's fine. But a lot of these films just seem play on fear. Well, you play on fear. Yeah. But, but even by today's standards, I guess it seems odd that they would really be worried that they're going to go to jail for murder. Like if you're riding in a car and the person next to you dies, my first thought isn't drag him into the desert and leave him. (laughs) I'm not thinking, I'm just not thinking in my head, like I'm going to get arrested for murder. And the first thing I'm thinking is like, Oh shit, uh, this poor dead. dude, his family. Yeah. He's dead. What do we do? I got to get a hold of the cops or something. But in the war is films, there any money in his wallet? Yeah, is there any money in his wallet? <laughs> My swear officer, he had nothing on him. Nothing there. He told me he was poor. No, I didn't check. <laughs> <laughs> would I touch that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, you know what I mean? It's like in these films, there's like instantly like, Oh shit, somebody's dead. I'm going to jail. <laughs> it's like the first reaction. Um, so I don't know again I'd be curious if that's just the time period that you know people were paranoid about that 
um, or if it's just a plot device, you know, cause I guess I would look, I would look, I would look less favorably on the writing of these films if it was just the plot device. I don't know. But if it was actually the time period, you know, of like the fear of the police having all the power and like you've seen all the ones with the corrupt cops where if they decide to, mm-hmm. like, it doesn't take a, it's not, you couldn't really, it's very hard to plant evidence now and get away with it. Mm-hmm. and be clever about it. Ah, we'll tell that to OJ. However, well, however, <laughs> back then, it probably was very, very simple. It could have just taken somebody's word that was in higher standing than you to kind of mm-hmm. get you put in jail. So maybe it was the fear. It, yeah, it, it could be. And I'd be curious because I, I would, I, I, I would hope it's more of a direct reflection of society and, and what people were feeling at the time. Um, you know, and it's hard to say unless you know somebody that was around back then, which they're, you know, we're getting less and less people, uh, you know, that are around or would know. Um, but, uh, it, it just, it just seems like they're, (laughs) everybody's instantly like, oh shit, I'm going to jail. I better hide the body. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's got a skeleton (laughs) in the forties. Everybody. (laughs) Yeah. So, hey, Carla, let's take a break real quick and talk to our listeners about our sponsors. You're listening to the Speakeasy Noir cast, the show that brings you binge drinking with a side of noir with your hosts, Carly Street and Jason D. Morris. Since we just watched and discussed Lost Highway um, and, and talking to Joe and, and, and Joe, you know, let us know that this, that one of, um, one of the films that David Lynch sort of, um, I don't know, used as inspiration was detour. I can absolutely see that in this film from the opening credits, you know, from the start when, when lost highway opens, you got, you're traveling down the road and you got the uh, titles, you know, flying at you and detour is the same way they didn't have i don't think the technology maybe to have titles flying at you i'm not really sure uh, i guess they did they did it more in trailers though than actual films but um you got the the camera traveling down the road just like in lost highway so there's definitely some correspondent you know some um things that line up between the two films uh from the uh the murders to just even even sort of like the the split sort of story you know uh cuz this story does kind of change um particularly when um Charles Haskell dies in the car it's almost like things just it's like a midpoint um you know of the movie where it just sort of goes in a completely different direction and we don't know what's going to happen next. You know, nobody transformed into another character or anything. They, but. Did, they did not, as far as I'm aware, unless I blinked and missed it. However, yeah, <laughs> I see what you're saying about the it, kind of two sides of the story where it went from him riding with him and it all being cool and then suddenly him dying and then him getting stuck with this crazy banshee lady. Mm-hmm. He was still also connected as well. Uh-huh. And then uh, you know, even the ending with uh, in, in Lost Highway where the third act is basically, you know, Bill Pullman's character coming back and then, you know, doing what he does. I mean, that sort of happens in this film too. It's like, it's such a, I was, when that happened, I was just like, holy crap. Like I did not expect that to happen uh, with the phone cord and all that kind of stuff. Like I, I was 
that blew me away. Um, I don't know if you were surprised or if you thought that was going to happen, whatever, but I'm just watching the movie and like not even realizing that it's almost over because it's a fairly short movie. I think it's like only 68 minutes or something. Do you think it ended slightly abruptly? Or was that just me that kind of, I was like waiting for something else and it just, it just went, oh, okay, that's done. I was hoping that he would get like, he's not a happy ending, but I hope that he got more of an ending than what he got. Yeah. And there's, there's actually a reason for that. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So the, the script initially was much longer um, than what you see in the actual finished film. And apparently there was a very long post-production. The, the studio or the production company that put this out, uh, I guess, really believed in it and wanted this to be a great film. And they even uh, wrote, shot and edited a completely different film uh, that started after this one. And it was out and distributed before this one ever finished post. Um, but uh, apparently they spent a lot of time in editing to get this story as concise as possible, uh, according to them. Um, so there's apparently a lot of scenes of dialogue that were cut out um, that were in the initial script and were filmed and were edited in, but ended up being cut out um, to make this a much longer film. And in regards to his, uh, his, you know, the denouement or the, the, his, his happy ending sort of thing, um, there was supposed to be a different ending. I don't know what it is. I couldn't really find what that ending was going to be, but they said because of the Hollywood, um, production code at the time, um, they did not allow murderers to get away with their crimes. So, um, in order to get through the censorship at the time, he, I guess, tacked on this little ending of him being picked up by the police. Now, it never says he's being arrested. Nothing. I mean, as far as we know, he's hitchhiking the police because he's having a ride. Who knows? Like, it's subjective, I guess. But um, it was something that was sort of added in order to get around that censorship idea uh, that he doesn't get away. Um, and that's that's part of the, the whole Hollywood code at the time. I would be extremely interested in seeing the longer version of this film though. I, I doubt it's in existence, but, um, if that work print is still around somewhere, that would be pretty, pretty amazing to watch. I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I, I do think this film is very concise. It is. I, I do enjoy the editing of it. I think there's some technical issues with everything like the editing and, you know, the camera work and stuff like that. But, I think it's very tight. Maybe that becomes for his over edited. Maybe that, that's really what I'm seeing. But um, story wise, it, it moves along, um, you know, it, and it's, it's engaging because I'm, I'm constantly like wondering what's going to happen next. And then it, when you get to the end, it's so sudden that this movie ends. I was just like, Whoa, Holy crap. It does almost doesn't give you time to really grasp, you know, as yeah. to with when when uh, Charles Haskell dies in the car, like there's time there to sort of like take that in. Okay, he's gonna hide the body. Okay, he's gonna take over this guy's persona. All right, all right. Okay, we get this. This is gonna be interesting. We wonder if he's gonna get caught. Whatever. Oh my god. Okay, this girl. Um, 
oh, she knows what, he, you know, whatever. You get to the end of this movie and he kills her. I'm just like, whoa, holy crap. Okay, what is he going to do now? Yeah. And then it's over. And then you, know, <laughs> you have no fucking idea. What he find out? Because it's right. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Did he even say bloody Susan? But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think that's kind of the brilliance of the movie. I think that's what makes it work so well. Um, and obviously, you know, I don't, I don't know that this movie was maybe considered it, it, it was well received, but I don't think it was unanimously well received, but obviously it has a following, some sort of like cult following and it's considered a classic. Now George Lucas's family paid to have it restored. Um, so, I mean, it has some, definitely has, you know, cinematic merit to it. And I find it personally enjoyable to watch, even if it's, it ends abruptly. It would be nice to see, you know, a little bit more tacked onto it because it is fairly short. Mm. Uh, and I would love to see uh, the longer cut of this movie. Um, but again, I'm, I'm sure that, the, you know, is no longer in existence, but it would be nice to see. And I know that there's a lot of talk and, um, about the director and I, I believe there's a few books out there maybe from his daughter or one of his family members um, where they discuss this film and his other stuff so there's, there's a lot of information out there and I know there's a lot of like uh, misinformation about this film as well like um, it was even by the director like which I don't understand why maybe it made it look better or more enticing at the time. Maybe it was a marketing ploy, but apparently he had said it was only shot in six days and the budget was only $20,000 and that's all been refuted um, with uh, uh, scripts being produced and call sheets and things like that, where it was like, you know, a three week shoot or something like that. And it has a hundred thousand dollar budget and all these other things. And I'm not really sure if that was just a marketing ploy because I mean, that's definitely something, you know, studios might do. Um, so there's there's a little bit of uh, lore about this film out there, oh. which I find pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, I guess it's his daughter uh, that did uh, maybe uh, released a book or something like that. Um, it's extremely expensive, though. Wow. <laughs> I was just about to say that might be worth picking up. And then you yeah. <laughs> came in with that. I thought, no, nah, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you hear that there was a remake of this? Um, no. Okay, so it gets even more interesting, really. So in 1992, there was a remake of Detour. And the most interesting aspect that, well, there's actually two interesting. One thing is you, it's impossible to fucking find this movie. Okay. Um, and being for a newer film, it seems like that would be, you know, somewhat easy to find. I did find a copy, um, but it's, it, as far as I know, you can't buy it. It's not out there readily That's available. But I don't know. I'm not really sure. Uh, it, you can't find it. And it's not like it got panned or anything. It's actually a well-received film uh, for being a remake, which I thought was interesting. But it had it had a pretty decent critical response. The second interesting thing is that it stars Tom Neal's son. Oh. Playing Tom Neal's original role in Detour. That's interesting. And it's uncanny this man looks exactly like his father <laughs> and his name is tom neal jr and it's the only credit he has in film 
oh, that's a bit strange. Yeah. <laughs> but so uh, he only yeah, did a specific that... remake and then. Yeah, that's it. There's nothing else for him. So I don't know if that was sort of his um, sort of homage to his father Maybe. or they paid him a shitload of money or what it was. Because it's I mean, I would guess I would just look at it as like a marketing play again, because this is not an actor. You know, maybe he's got some chops from, you know, growing up with his dad or something or being on sets or whatever. I don't know. But. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's just an oddity. Yeah, that is a bit strange, isn't it? Uh huh. Now it says it was released on VHS and DVD in 1998, so there's got to be copies out there somewhere. But my my quick search did not turn anything up other than a a fairly low resolution version of it on YouTube um, that you can check out. Um, it's not a great a great copy of it, but uh, if you want to watch it, you can you can watch it. That's interesting. I wonder if he did that off his own bat. I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think this was something that was, you know, he was just hired to do. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know. But all right, Carly, um, let's uh, get down to uh, rating this movie. I'm curious what your thoughts are on it. Um, I, I think I got a hint that you didn't care for it. Uh, do you know what? I didn't initially care for it that much, but as he sort of fell further into the spiral. I kind of found it morbidly, morbid, morbidly fascinating, to be honest. Um, and actually, I ended up quite enjoying it. I was just, when it ended, I was a bit like, oh, okay. That was a bit of a disappointment. I expected a bit more. But I'd give it a, I'd give it a seven. Wow. Yeah, I'd give it a seven. I was, when it, I think I was offended because it ended so abruptly and I was waiting for some more. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I want some more <laughs> of this man's downward spiral. How much further can he go? <laughs> um, right, yeah. But yeah, yeah. To begin with, the first maybe 20 minutes, I wasn't overly sold on it. I wasn't really that that forced. But I did get suckered into it. Um, so yeah, seven. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I took to it from the very beginning. Um, oh. I just, maybe it's just, I'm... I, I feel like a sort of connection with the the lead character, or at least the lead actor. Like, I feel like that would be me. <laughs> this guy, <laughs> he's not, you know, he's, he's not the tough guy I'll kind of. $10 tip and sniffs at it. Like, oh, well, it's not Tway. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just feel like, you know, he's, he was not your typical tough guy, noir guy. It's like, he played this very different hmm. and I enjoyed that a lot. Um, he goes a little mad in the diner, you know, and starts getting angry, you know, that sort of thing. But I feel like he would not have been able to hold his own at that point. <laughs> I think, and I think everybody around him knows that. So they kind of let him off easy. Yeah. He does quiet down quite fast. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's just one of those things people, you know, I, I look at people's anger sometimes as like a lack of hydration. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you don't drink enough water, you, you go slightly mad. Like your, your brain doesn't function properly. And I feel like that's sort of like anybody can be in that situation and, and go a little crazy, you know? Um, and especially all the crap that happened to him that day. Yeah. <laughs> you know? bad day. It's just, yeah, he had a bad day. <laughs> um, I, I give the, I give it an eight, um, which I guess yours isn't far off. Um, 
because I really enjoyed it. I, I wish the movie was longer. I think there's, there's, there was more story to tell there, um, that they could have accomplished, but I do respect the, uh, the, you know, brevity of it. it. It's, it is very concise and they do tell the story at a brisk pace and, and, and tell it well, in my opinion. Um, but there are some, you know, there's some flaws to it, but still that, that I can easily overlook, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think it's, I think it's, if I can pick up a copy of this, it's something that I'm going to own and I'll put it on my shelf and I'll, I think I'll, I'll watch this many more times. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, and yeah, I eight, eight gins out of 10. Nice. Yeah. Well, all right guys. Uh, we hope you, uh, enjoy your, the money first drink, uh, while you watch detour. Um, we hope, uh, you enjoyed this discussion of it. It's a great film. I think I guess Carly, you know, was a little shaky at first, but ended up enjoying it. Uh, be ready for that, uh, for that ending. <laughs> it comes on quick. It does. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we'll see you on the next episode until then. Bye-bye. He's looking at you, kid. Thanks for joining us this week on the Speakeasy Noir cast. Make sure to visit our website, resurrectionfilms.net, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcast apps so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, The Dark Side of Acting Up, and The Dark Side of Acting Up Volume 2, now available on Amazon. Or you can check out one of our films, also available on Amazon Prime. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Speakeasy Noir Cast.